a floor crosser who came in from the liberal side and decided to walk on over to the conservative side. This is not something a lot of people like. Do we have the, the reaction from her, her riding, Mike? No? Okay. Uh, we had uh, hoped to have some reaction from her Toronto riding of uh, how people felt. I mean, generally, a lot of people don't like it when these MPs cross over. But nonetheless, she stunned her own team, pretty much everyone in politics, when she rose in the House of Commons and... She read out this statement and her reasons on why she was leaving. Canada faces a perfect storm of serious challenges at home and abroad. The world has changed and Canada must change with it. And we don't have the luxury of time. We do not have the luxury of time. Okay, so pretty big words. Well, according to sources, I guess this MP was in talks for weeks with Conservative leader Andrew Scheer to cross over. But no one else, certainly not her boss or the team... And, you know, knew that she would uh, be leaving. In fact, up until very recently in her Twitter feed, you could see that she was very much putting in that she was ready for 2019. And she met with her boss, Justin Trudeau, on July 20th and went to that liberal retreat just last week. So this did come as quite a surprise. And what it does for Mr. Shear is it gives him a bit of wind in his sails, but it certainly doesn't change all his you know, fortunes. He's going to have to work very hard, but it does create quite a problem for Mr. Trudeau. I want to bring in Elise Mills to this conversation. She is a strategic communications and also does media relations. She joins us now. So Elise, uh, not a great day for the Liberals, although they're kind of spinning it as best of luck to you, but it's never good when you get a, a floor crosser. Oh, absolutely not. And the worst part about this for Justin Trudeau and the Liberals was... Andrew Scheer completely redefined the first day of, you know, returning back to session, took the narrative, ran with it, and that's all everyone's talking about today. It was going to be bad enough for Justin Trudeau because he has what I call the five big failures, Mm -hmm. which I think Andrew Scheer is calling the summer failures. NAFTA, Southwood Lumber, the middle class, carbon tax, and the list goes on, Mm -hmm. right? Veterans. Um, But this really sealed the deal in the House of Commons today. Right. I mean, they were kind of riding easy, watching Jugmeet Singh kind of crash and burn. You know, you had the the Bernier kind of burn on Andrew Scheer. That was taking up a lot of the air in the room. They were dumping on Doug Ford over notwithstanding. And then all of a sudden, all we're talking about is this female MP who who really is kind of a no-name, but certainly uh, Leona Alizlev will no longer be a no-name because... She turned on the party, but it was what she said that kind of, you know, yeah. she didn't have to say anything, but what she did say was not all that nice. Well, I have to say, I I sat at my desk, and you know what I do every day for a living, so I turned the TV on, and it was a little bit of a groan. I was like, ah, i got to watch QP. We're back to real life, right? I'm not a big fan of QP at times, um, so but I have to watch it with my job. And literally had my golden retriever, Charlie, sitting next to me, was starting to write a report, and I heard this person stand up. And I took my glasses off and said, damn, that's the liberal. I wish us Tories. And I swear to God, I said, that's the one that got away. She's a former um, Air Force captain. She's incredibly articulate. She's super smart. All of us in different political worlds have have candid envy. And I wasn't quite sure what was going on. And I stopped what I was doing and started to listen. And I turned to Charlie, my fabulous golden retriever assistant, and said, what the heck is going on? She's floor crossing. 
And before I knew it, she had put her papers with the clerks. She had bowed to the speaker, Jeff Regan, and she was off. And what really struck me was when she put her hand over her heart and said, it's a country before party, country before myself. And I just went, wow, I've never seen a floor crossing like that. And I don't actually think this is a floor crossing in that traditional sense. And I know people go, oh, she looked at the numbers. She didn't. Brad Levine said publicly today, and he's an NDP strategist, he said that her numbers weren't good in the last election. I'll tell you, she just she, she got over 1,000 more votes than the conservative in her riding. That is not a squeaker. That is a definitive result. She wasn't, I don't think she's looking at the writing on the wall, Alex. I think exactly what she said today is going to be the core problem for Justin Trudeau. And any of us that are working on the Hill, and as you know, I bounce between Toronto and Vancouver and Ottawa, what we've all been hearing, I would say for the last eight to nine months, and I think um, uh, there's a lot of former liberals talking about it too, is that they feel silenced, they feel marginalized, they don't feel their voice is there. And I think Andrew Shear's response after she she crossed the floor uh, was to get out in front of the scrum and speak to liberals that had maybe voted for Justin Trudeau and or had decided to run for Justin Trudeau and said, look, if you feel the same way as Leona, this is your opportunity to join up with us. I think it was a very smart move. The thing that happened today with Leona basically gave conservatives and the NDP a branding opportunity with other voters. In other words, it's not so sunny and, you know, a woman, you know, in the pink party uh, has defected. I mean, look, I'm not a big fan of floor crossing. When you get voted in, you're part of a team, you know, you ride it out, you do the best. And you know as well as anybody that in politics it is party first always. So you're right, it is unique that she put country first, but that's the soldier. That's the that's the military in her speaking. I would also say that is something that resonates with someone like me who had immigrant parents. Um, uh, my father's now deceased, but he told me that this was a privilege, not a right to be here, and that it was up to us children to figure out how we were going to repay the Canadian government for accepting us to be Canadian citizens. And that was a cornerstone to how I was raised. And so it particularly resonated with me. I know it resonated with the press gallery. They felt the same way, which is, oh, it was that moment where she asked us to stop the political fighting on Twitter, the sort of navel-gazing that's been going on, and to ask yourself to, she said, as my job as an elected member is to check in with myself very often and ask myself, am I doing right by my country? Okay. And I think yeah, that's something we all need to do. Yeah, it is. And I thought that was also an interesting part of what she said. But the other thing that I think is interesting that you would probably be able to explain to people, though, is that these kinds of decisions don't just happen. This would have come with some planning, a lot of secret meetings, um, you know, and, and she just went to that retreat. So she would have had a very good idea of what they're going to run on in the next election. She takes all that with her now to her new boss in the Conservative Party. Well, I don't particularly think that that holds a particular amount of intellectual property. We are all pretty aware. So we all knew that Justin Trudeau was going to hope to get what Jean Catin got, which he was able to run on Brian Mulroney for two terms, right? Uh, we knew from Justin Trudeau's campaign teams that that is exactly how they wanted to frame it. This is the party of Stephen Harper. 
I hate to say it, but there's a large part of me that says, hey, what was wrong with that? Mm-hmm. There was a lot that we got done in this country. Whether you, whether you liked him or not, we moved forward and we were doing well economically. But hey, liberals feel it was a bad time. They wanted that opportunity for a second chance to run again on Stephen Harper. They're not going to get it this time. And so I know that's their campaign strategy. I don't think that's particularly uh, a big security secret. But I do think what I understand about what Leona said, and I take this at face value with her because I feel like I connect with her on this Mm -hmm. because I am also incredibly careful in how I make my decisions. She talked about always looking for that light of hope uh, where she she felt there would be an opportunity to have her issues voiced. But the issues began to pile up. It wasn't just about the agreements that uh, the the issues around national defense, which she was concerned about the procurement with Australia. I think anyone that's listening to the show should probably do a background check on that and a search and find out how that decision was made. But also the issue around veterans, that we left close to $400 million on the table for veterans while telling Canadians we couldn't afford to, or Justin Trudeau said he, that veterans were asking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was too much for her. And there was also the social responsibility she felt to middle-class Canadians, that she felt that Justin Trudeau's, uh, it, it, the promise he made in 2015 was broken. Um, and she had really felt this would be more collaborative. And I think she probably went into caucus as I would, have been in her position if I'd been in that same position, not wanting to walk away from the commitment she had originally made. She's military. Yeah. So I think that decision's hard. Uh, but she did say today, um, and I've heard this from others uh, close to uh, Andrew Shear, that she, until the moment she took to her feet in the House of Commons, she didn't actually know what she was going to do. And so she, and so clearly the, the leader of uh, her boss, Mr. Trudeau, he wouldn't have known. He didn't know, actually. And if you look at not CBC or CTV's copy of that tape today, but if you look at CPAC, yeah. you'll see the look of her of her colleagues. And it's absolute shock sure. and concern. And the best is when she just holds her head up high and walks around, bows to the speaker and says, OK, I'm done. And... The fact that she knew what she wanted to ask in the so it's very rare mm-hmm. floor crosser within ten minutes then asks what the seventh question for question period. Yeah. Um, she took that she took the bull by the horns and she made that decision herself to ask the question and her first question to the prime minister and it was to the prime minister but the minister of defense took it was about the deal with the Australian jets. Right. And she then held them accountable on the $400 million that were sitting out there that was not available to vets to, for, to help them integrate back into society, deal with their health concerns, deal with adjustments, all of those sort of things. Okay, I've only got like a minute and a half left, but I do want to get this in because she did say the economy is not as good as we're being told. And one of the big things is Christian Freeland. Uh, you know, she's been asked, why aren't you in Washington? What's going on with NAFTA? She's been pretty kind of evasive about it, but I don't get the mm-hmm. sense that it's going well. What are you hearing? <clears throat> well, I, I do travel to D.C. on business. I have strong ties to Washington, D.C., and I will say this. It was not uh, warmly received that last weekend, Christian Freeland, uh, Minister for, for, for Trade, had decided to basically involve herself in what I can assume is basically a roast of the President of the United States. But it goes further than that. She was invited to speak on a panel to talk about dictatorships Mm -hmm. and 
um, autocrat, uh, the, the, and, and the, basically the bad guys of the global world. And um, she went out there and equated the Syrian president, Assad, who has committed genocide hundreds of thousands of times, to President Trump. And as my understanding from my contact in the West Wing, that went over, uh, as you can imagine, like a lead balloon. Yeah. Yes, and Mr. and Mr. Trump decided that. Uh, well, how do I negotiate? And I, as many times as I as I disagree with Mr. Trump, if this was Mr. Harper and somebody had lined up against him, or somebody had said that about Mr. Trudeau, for example, I'd be the first one to say, "What are you doing?" And I'm not coming to negotiate with you. Yeah. Um, and the the U.S. holds holds the power, I hate to say this, but they hold the power on certain issues. And we have so many outstanding issues. It's not just about auto workers or dairy farmers. It's about softwood lumber as well, Alex. And none of this has been accomplished. And she felt, as a minister, that was the appropriate event that she should attend that evening. And it's not just that. It's the tweet about Saudi Arabia. It's the tweets that she's made about Trump in the past. It's It's sort of this idea that she gets to be an activist while as a minister, and that's not how it works. Not not at all. It is not, but when you're trying to win an election and score points at home, I guess it does. It's just the price that we will pay is uh, going to be unrelenting. All right, I've well, got to leave you, it there. What's that? Yeah, I've got, I'm up against the say, clock. How do, you, how do you win an election when 500,000 Canadians are out of work because of your stupidity? Well, it would be the most interesting campaign of all, wouldn't it be? Yeah, <laughs> yes, it the thing be. is, you don't. <laughs> all right, Elise, thank you. Thanks, Alex. That is Elise Mills joining us tonight here on Global News Radio.